and thank you for tuning into my podcast. My name is Brandy Runner, and I'm a certified life coach, a proud cancer warrior and survivor. This podcast is devoted to cancer survivors, warriors, and their amazing caregivers. I'm excited to bring to you their stories of diagnosis, treatment, survival, and hope beyond cancer. Some of my favorite quotes are, cancer opens many doors. One of the most important is your heart, Greg Anderson. You can be a victim of cancer or a survivor of cancer. It's a mindset, Dave Peltzer. Once again, I want to personally thank you for listening. And if you'd like to be a part of this, please contact me through my website at bebeyondlimits.com. And now for our guest. My name is Sapati Tuya. I'm 20 years old and I got diagnosed with cancer when I was 19. I believe it was in June when I got diagnosed. I thought for a long time that I got diagnosed on the day after my birthday, but after talking to some people, they told me it was not. It was June. So I got diagnosed with nasopharyngeal carcinoma stage 4B. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about that diagnosis day? Okay, I remember that day clearly. I remember that I had, I was scheduled to go back to the, my doctor after we had a, a biopsy that they did on my neck. My right side of my neck, I had a big lump on my neck and it was noticeable. It was like the first thing you see when you see me. So they did a biopsy on that and I, I had a an appointment uh, around in the morning and then that same day I had an interview for a job it was at Vons uh, a grocery store that my sister used to work at and she got me a uh, an interview a hiring manager and I I was almost certain that I was gonna get the job if I went to that interview well I, I didn't know what was news I was gonna get from my doctor so I had the, the doctor's appointment in the morning and then my interview scheduled at three o'clock later that day so i was with my god mom it was just me and my god mom her name is camille so we we go into the office and i remember it was just me and her and a lady comes in and she's a doctor and she tells me what she sees in the biopsy i'm not sure i think it was a biopsy or a pet scan but i'm pretty sure it was a biopsy she tells me what she sees. She says she sees masses and stuff. And I forgot what she says, but she ends her statement with she sees some squamous cell carcinoma. And as soon as she said that, I knew exactly what that was. It was I, I knew it was cancer because I heard carcinoma before. And that's like cancer. And I guess my mother at the time didn't know what that was. And she asked the doctor what it was, and she said, oh, that's cancer. And I remember feeling very, like, surprised, because beforehand, they, I don't think they mentioned to me that it could be cancer. They probably did, but I forgot, and I wasn't really, like, considering it that it was cancer. Right, um, you were very young. I couldn't imagine cancer being in the forefront of your thought processes. Yes, I remember... She was very calm about it, saying, oh, you have cancer, so we're going to find you treatments. 
we're going to get you a character doctor, a pathologist. And then she leaves the room and she brings a, a head doctor, the doctor that's the, the, in charge of all the other doctors, I guess. Uh-huh. And that's when it hits me that since he was really straightforward about it, like, he almost, like, it just made me cry. Since he was, like, I can't forget that that moment when he was telling me, oh, you're so, you're 20, and this shouldn't have happened to you. I remember, like, oh, this is, like, something, like, in, in my opinion, something that you can say to, like, a person who gets that diagnosed with cancer, like, telling them, like, oh, you, oh, you shouldn't have got this. Like, I can't pinpoint the exact words that he said, but it was, it was, like, making me sad. I could only imagine. That would definitely be very frightening. Camille, do you have anything to say about what you were feeling at those moments? Wow. Um, just hearing her talk about it takes me back. I can remember the coldness of the room that it felt. Like, you know, doctor's office can feel cold, but there's a certain coldness when you hear a diagnosis. It's almost like a deafness comes over you, where it's everything you, you hear, but you don't hear at the same time. And the, the doctor that came in to um, further, and I'll, you know, keep his name separate, Probably. but he, um, his bedside manner was, was very stringent. And for a moment, I thought to myself, what you're not going to do is tell her she's dying. That's what we're not going to do. I understand the, the fragility of life. I understand the diagnosis of cancer. But if you're not going to speak hope in life, I need you to hush. It was hard. I think I was numb. I was numb for quite some months. I think the first time I felt anything, really got a chance to feel anything, because you can't feel in that moment. You know, you got to take care of business. Insurances need to be contacted. We got to have this conversation with her parents. We have to let her siblings know. We have to, there's business to take care of. So I didn't get a chance to feel anything until months later. Yes, absolutely. See, Patty, is there anything that you wish someone would have told you prior to your diagnosis? Anything like to check your body or go to doctors more often? Anything, any words of wisdom that you wish somebody would have given you? I wish that I, wish that I could have spoken to other cancer survivors before I had treatment or just to be more aware of cancer. I wish that other people would have told me to, to go to my doctor often regarding cancer and the symptoms that I was having. That's exactly yeah. why I started this podcast, is for people to be able to listen to other people's stories of how cancer affected them, what their treatments were like, and such. And that's such a wonderful thing to hear you say that, because so many people in this world, are they hear about cancer on television or different places but to hear an actual story from a person is very different it's very powerful and I thank you very much for sharing your story with us can you tell me a little about the treatments that you received yes I had three treatments so I had chemo chemotherapy I had what's called IMRT radiation and proton therapy I had three rounds of chemo 33 rounds of IMRT radiation, and six rounds of proton therapy. Which of those therapies was the most taxing on your body? 
the IMRT radiation. I haven't experienced that particular form of radiation. Can you tell me a little bit about that therapy, what it involves, what it felt like, what it smelled or tasted like? So I had 33 rounds. So I started, I'm not exactly sure what month I started, around September, early September or the end of August. But I had to go get radiations, this particular radiation, five days a week for about 45 minutes each session. So the hospital that I got treated at, it's called Loma Linda, and they have three campuses. And I had to get my treatment at the Beaumont campus, which was about 45 minutes away from where I lived. So it was about a 45-minute drive every single day just to get this 45-minute radiation treatment. Basically what it is, is it's a mach- in my words, it's a machine. So I laid down on um, this bed that you can move up and down. Um, you can turn it to the side. And I oh, also I had beforehand, you, you get a mask that they put on your head to keep your head still. So they can have the exact like measurements of where to put the radiation at. And I thought that was the most difficult part of getting this type of radiation because you, you had to keep the mask on for the full 45 minutes until you were done. It's like, I don't know how to describe the mask, but it was a very sticky mask. It was white. It was like very close and sticking to your face, almost like tape, but it, it covered my whole head, and I would lay down, the, the nurses would lay me down on the bed, and then they would place the, the mask on my head, and then lock it down using the bed, I guess the, the bed had locks, and they would lock it, and so it would keep my mask in place, and then they would, after that, they would move me under the machine and the machine would move to like certain areas for 45 minutes making these weird noises having these weird flashes and the nurse would come in and out of the room just to place the machine at a certain angle so they could get this part of my head treated and that was the most difficult treatment out of all of them that particular treatment it gave me a lot of side effects rather than the proton and the chemotherapy that I had. What were some of those side effects? Nausea, constantly, well not constantly, but constant nausea. I, nausea and vomiting, weakness in my muscles. I was, the radiation, the specific radiation I had to my neck and my sinus area, so would cause side effects to these, to those regions of my body. I had, I lost the, the ability to, to taste food. I lost the sense of taste. I lost the ability to swallow. I lost almost my hearing. I lost my voice. The part that I got treated was like my neck area, but where the radiation went, it went like halfway down my head, the bottom portion of my head. So that's how much hair I lost. I lost the bottom portion of my hair. So I had the top half of my hair, but I lost the bottom half of my hair. Wow. 
That sounds like an incredibly difficult therapy. Mm -hmm. We're so glad that you survived through all that. Now, all of us have really great days and really bad days. Can you try to describe to me one of your really best days that you had after diagnosis? One best day that I can think of is when I was in and out of the hospital for the first, like, three months since I got diagnosed. And I would spend the night at the hospitals because I needed to. And one day in specific was after I spent the night at the hospital, the next day I was still in the hospital, but my church, they came to visit me. I remember we were in the waiting room. And, like I said, I got weak, so I was in a wheelchair during treatment. And I remember being in the waiting room, having conversation, prayers for me. We were all hanging out. It was a good amount of people from my church that came. Uh, I grew up in a, uh, right now, I'm in in a small church, and everyone knows everybody, so... They knew, like, I was sick and I, what I was going through. And this one day, they all came to visit me in the hospital. And I, that has to be the, one of my best days because I didn't feel alone at the time. And I just had good conversation and good company. That sounds like a beautiful day. Those are wonderful when you get those moments where you know that you're not alone and that people are praying for you and loving on you. Those are beautiful days. On the opposite side of that, can you tell us about your worst day? I had many worst days, but probably the worst day was when my doctor, I had many doctors. I had a a radiologist a chemo doctor, a palliative doctor, but a radiation doctor, which is my radiologist, he suggested that I could, due to um, the side effects of radiation, especially to my neck area, that I would have to have a feeding tube. So the worst day probably has to be the day of surgery, because I had to get a feeding tube, not in my nose, but surgically placed in my stomach. Wow, that must have been a very scary and difficult thing to deal with. Yes, that that was probably the first day after the, the surgery. Uh, the day after the surgery, when I went home, uh, that's when I started like getting really sick. That's like the first time I threw up or had nausea was after after that particular surgery. But after talking to doctors. They said it was my nausea and stuff was happening because of my chemotherapy. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Hearing you describe that is absolutely heartbreaking. But it's a beautiful thing to know that this is something that can happen to patients so that they can understand what they may be facing. So I thank you for your vulnerability and your sharing of that part of your story. What was the toughest thing you had to deal with during treatment? Was it the feeding tube or was it something else? It was, I would say it would be having treatment almost every day. And that was the most toughest thing. If you would want to have a break, I did have a break between like the weekends, but going every day to the hospital, yeah, was probably one of the toughest things. 
that would definitely be very taxing on you physically and emotionally, as well as financially. I'm sure your family had to cover the costs of getting you there and back and everything like that. How did you find the strength to get through all of these treatments? I had a very good supporting family. I had my mom. I have that I had. I have my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my godmother, and my church family, and my friends. And they were very supporting throughout my home treatment, diagnosis. They were always keeping me company, made sure that I was always feeling good and that I was always focusing on the positive things rather than the negative. We would play games and just you know, try to cheer me up. That is beautiful that they did that. A lot of people mm-hmm. go through this and they don't have a really good support system. They might have one or two people, but it sounds to me like you had a, a very big village to help take care of you. Who did you lean on the most for your support? Was there one specific person or was it a group of people? I have well, my most, I would say my godmother, Camille. That's, that's what her name is. That's okay. That's so wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad that you had her in your life. How has cancer changed your life? Well, before I was diagnosed, I really didn't think about, I really didn't think about my what people were going through. And I would always be so conscious about myself. Like, I wasn't very, I wasn't very outgoing. But after going through what I went through, I would say that I have a better mindset in life. That I'm not self-conscious like how I used to be. I used to live in, I guess, the fear of thinking what people thought about me. But after like going through such a a hard thing, I I just don't pay it no mind. That is wonderful that you have that you have blossomed in that way, and that a cancer gave you something that you wouldn't have expected to get. That's a beautiful thing. Can you describe for us that final day of radiation or surgery or whatever your last day was? The final hurrah. My final treatment day. So I had chemo and IMRT radiation at the same time. And after I was finished with that, I had proton. And so the last treatment that I had was proton. And the last day of treatment was actually very, I was very happy that I got through it. I remember that only that day where I just went in, got my scan, and then I was saying bye to like all the other technicians. The people that worked on the machine, I told them bye and that they were a good team to work with, well, to, to work with me and dealing with me and all the stuff that, like, I couldn't, I was in a wheelchair and stuff like that, and I couldn't speak. When I had proton therapy, I had lost almost all my hearing, and I could not speak at all, and, and I just thanked them for helping me get through it all. Did you get to ring the bell? Uh, we didn't have that. Wow, I didn't know that Loma Linda didn't have that. That's, that's interesting. That's usually the, the typical last day you get to ring a bell that signifies the end of your treatment. We'll have to ring a bell for you. Do you have any <laughs> books that you would recommend? Anything that you read or have read since that gave you some hope or 
understanding or love or anything? I didn't read any particular books on cancer, but the things that I remember reading was during treatment was the little pamphlets or the books that the hospital would give you. Like life living with cancer or living with a family member that had cancer. I remember reading those and it gave me some hope and some positivity that what I'm dealing with is a a lot of other people are dealing with it as well. And I had my family read that with the book, one of the pamphlets that was titled Living with Someone That Has Cancer. And hopefully, I think they read it. I'm not sure, but... I would recommend reading any information that your hospital gives you, any encouraging books or pamphlets that they, that they provide. I recommend anyone that's starting treatment and just got diagnosed, I would recommend them to read those specific readings. That's a wonderful thing to advise. I read a lot of those when I was sitting in chemotherapy myself. A lot of great information. What have you done after cancer? What? I've done is, well, recovery. I just did my last treatment around the beginning of December of 2019. And right now, it's April of 2020. And I'm still recovering from treatment. My hair is growing back. I'm getting involved in support groups. I didn't involve myself in support groups while I was having treatment because I just didn't have the physical ability to, like, or the mental ability to, I guess, share my story at the time. But after finishing treatment and then going to a head and neck cancer support group and also a different therapy group, I started to open up more and just tell what I've been through and getting stories from other people as well. Cancer support groups are a very wonderful thing, and I wish more doctors would tell their patients to go to them when they're in treatment. The particular oncologist I use actually had us do therapy during our first six weeks after diagnosis. And it really helped us to understand what our bodies were going to be going through, what our minds were going to be going through, what our emotions were going to be going through, all of that. And it was a wonderful eye-opening experience to be involved with so many different types of cancer patients and so many different types of thing that they were going through. Now, I really want to thank you for your time. I really appreciate hearing your story. Is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners that you haven't told them? I would tell any listeners that are listening to my story, anyone that's a cancer survivor or anyone that's starting treatment or anyone that's just got diagnosed to just look on the positive side of things and not focus on what could happen. I would say to try to get all the support that you from your family stay with your family hang out with your family because that's mainly what's going to make you happy during your treatment or diagnosis or your journey in general well i am so thankful that i got to meet you and hear your story and that i get to share it with my listeners I am so thankful for your time and for your vulnerability in sharing your story these cancer stories they're scary and they're 
different. Everybody's experiences are different, but I am so thankful that we got to hear your story and that you're still here with us. I'm happy to be here and tell my story. I'm happy to have survived cancer, so I'm able to tell my story and bring awareness to what people might think cancer is, but not really know without talking to a cancer survivor or a doctor. Because beforehand, I got diagnosed with cancer, I really thought it was like something that was very traumatizing. I didn't know what chemo was. I didn't know what radiation treatments were. But after going through it, you're able to tell people what this specific thing is. And just in case, if they're ever diagnosed with cancer or their relatives or their loved ones are. Yes. It is a beautiful thing to be able to share your story. And once again, myself and my listeners, we thank you very much for sharing your story. And we look forward to being able to share this story with as many people who are available to listen. Anyway, I'm going to let you go now. But thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'd love to get Camille on the line in the future and get her story. I do this podcast for both cancer survivors and their caregivers, and I would really love to hear your story. Absolutely. I'm, I'm available for that. I, I love my baby. We've had our shares of ups and downs, smiles and frowns, and some hard times, some hard conversations on both sides. But since she's been in the cradle to now, she's my heart and soul. That's wonderful. I'll give you a text message and we'll set up a time when you're fully available to sit down and go through the questions together. Okay, perfect. All right, ladies, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I love you and God bless. God bless you. Love you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. I want to thank you all for tuning in to the latest episode of Be Beyond Limits podcast. I am so thankful that you have chosen to spend your time sharing in these stories of our wonderful cancer survivors and their beautiful caregivers. I am so blessed to be able to bring these stories to you. If you know anybody that would like to be involved in this podcast, please have them go to my website at bebeyondlimits.com. That's B-E-B-E-Y-O-N-D-L-I-M-I-T-S.com. My name is Brandy Runner, and I am a certified life coach and now professional podcaster, sharing many stories with you. And I am so grateful to have been given this opportunity, and I look forward to getting to know each and every one of you. 